Welcome to the sixth episode of Hipster Baseball Podcast. On today's podcast, we celebrate the life of a legend, hand out the HBP regular season awards, help design a new World Series championship gear, and mourn the hiring of a legend. We have celebrating, we have mourning. When that happens, you always have to have a drink. And what we want to know is my friend, my drinking buddy, DeCarlo Calloway, Welcome to the show and share with us how you're going to celebrate or mourn for this podcast. Hello, everybody. It's a pleasure being back on this week. Um, today, I'm drinking Yogi Kava Stress Relief Tea. So just let me give you a little bit of insight about Kava. Uh, kava is a root that's traditionally used for its power to calm the body and mind. Um, you know, so a lot of people would drink it when you know you might be a little bit anxious or stressful or you're having trouble sleeping or anything like that i like drinking it because after a long hard day just to be able to take it easy settle in a bit enjoy a nice conversation especially when the weather starts getting a little bit more chillier having a nice cup of tea which relaxes you is always a good thing in my opinion so this is what i am drinking on today what about you dorian what are you drinking because we're celebrating and for morning, I'm gonna, we're going to start with a celebration. So I'm starting off with a Craig and Moore, 12 years old, Spiceside single malt scotch whiskey. I'm, I'm going to pour it out with you right now. This is a brand new bottle. I have, so I'm going to pour out a healthy amount with a large manly ice cube. You know the ones that, they, that you have to like special order, what have you? I like those big, thick ice cubes. But anyway, so cheers. And this is in the celebration in honor of the legendary Scottish actor, Sean Connery, Sir Sean Connery, who passed away last week at the ripe old age of, I believe it was 90 years old. Yeah, it was 90. And whiskey, like that, obviously from Scotland, was his favorite drink. And his favorite whiskey was the Macallan Cherry Oak 18 years old single malt. Now, a bottle of that Macallan will cost we're running about $350 so I'm saving up my pennies for something else but it's still a scotch so I'm celebrating it and uh, in case you didn't know he actually had to cut down drastically on drinking over the past 10 years of his life because he had a heart condition and also I know DeCarlo is going to love this little tidbit of uh, Sir, Sir Sean Connery his favorite football club soccer was Rangers FC in the Scottish Premier League uh, who is currently managed by Liverpool legend Steven Gerrard so good one <laughs> That's that sounds like a mourn. Nothing nothing good ever come came out of Liverpool. What are you joking. talking about? <laughs> Beautiful people come out of Liverpool. Exactly. Except the Scouse accent. Now let me stop. We love we love our Liverpool people, our Liverpoolians, you know. Exactly. And DeCarlo's drinking tea. I'm drinking a, a, a whiskey. And you, dear listener, we want to know what you're drinking when you're listening to the podcast. Tweet us a picture of your drink. Our Twitter, Twitter, Twitter handle is at HBP4040. And remember to use the hashtag HBPDrink. When we drink, we think. When we drink, we cry. When we drink, we celebrate. And when we drink, what I want to know is what DeCarlo thinks of this past 2020 season in our recap right here. I mean, I was actually impressed considering how everything came about. You know, there was a lot of um, hand wriggling between uh, the – Major League Baseball and the Players Union at first trying to figure out 
contract structures, you know, the length of um, game, length of the season, how they were going to play, um, testing. So at first it was, you know, you didn't know whether or not the season was actually going to happen because it seemed as though there was there wasn't really coming to there wasn't two sides weren't coming to an agreement. So that was a little bit annoying, but thankfully COVID nineteen. Yes, exactly. So we have to preface that because this season was definitely like none other. Um, and so when they did finally come together, it was good. I mean, initially at first when you had the outbreak of COVID with the Miami Marlins and how that affected and started to spread a little bit, people started to wonder whether the season was going to be in doubt anyway. But luckily they were able to get it under control and have a better uh, regiment to and, manage the whole season. So that and was no close. one nobody was surprised that the Miami Marlins had an outbreak of COVID because again, that's a joke organization. Yeah, they have their, they have their issues. Um, but I have to say um, with what did actually come about, I was pretty happy with um, the seven inning doubleheader games. I have to say it was probably one of the best highlights of the whole um, season, you know, doubleheaders, they could be great, but then other times they could be really daunting. And I think having, them split into seven inning games each makes it a lot more enjoyable. It's, it really does give you that, okay, it's a game in a half type of situation as opposed to overwhelming, like, oh, my goodness, especially, like, say, if it was a summer day. Granted, there weren't any fans in the, the stadiums during that point, but I think that would be something that wouldn't be bad to adapt for the regular season if they were to make any adjustments. And I think – Coming out of this COVID-19 um, 2020 season, you will see some adjustments even within the regular seasons um, because some things in this abbreviated season did work. Um, one thing, the, the DH in the National League, of course, is a good thing because one thing I've always found being a fan, I really didn't like watching a lot of National League games because having the pitcher come up to bat was almost like a giveaway. You really didn't have, like, pitchers – who actually get hit or would be out there swinging for average or for power or even to try to get a decent um, on-base percentage. Whereas, you know, growing up, if you play Little League or Pony Leagues or then in, in high school, your best athlete was – your best a athletes on the teams were your pitchers and your shortstops. And so once you get to the majors, your pitchers, because their arms are worth so much, you know, they're really just focusing on pitching. They're not really focusing on anything else. And so – you know, having a bat is almost just a waste. That's um, a com I completely disagree with that. You if you're a baseball, if you're a baseball player, you have to you have to play with your glove, and you got to play with a bat. Just because these pitchers don't take time to take, they, just because these pitchers don't take an extra hour or two of batting practice a day, and they're earning millions of dollars, and they and then it shows by their complete lack of preparation. Just like you said, they're like an automatic out, which is very disappointing. But as a national, as a fan of the National League game with the bunting and the stealing, with basically I'm talking about like the dinosaurs native because nobody does it anymore, bunting and stealing. I like a player that can play with his glove in the field and also bat. But uh, again, I, I was surprised. I was not happy when the DH came to the National League for this strike, for this strike, for this COVID-19 affected season. But I enjoyed it. I'm like, wow, we have an extra player who's just all power. You can mash the ball. But I don't, I don't know what's going to happen in 2021. They still haven't can't come to that come to a decision of what they're going to do. Yeah, 
Well, it'll be interesting to see how that, you know, how that transpires over the next couple of months, because, you know, now the discussions need to begin and uh, all the adjustments need to begin because we don't even know whether or not our whole society will be opened up to, to a degree where we can have, you know, a longer season or how is it going to be set up? What are travel schedules going to be like? How are players going to, you know, keep themselves distance from others because we still don't have a vaccine. And, you know, as we are going into the winter months, the virus is still around. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, hopefully come spring and next year we'll be in a different predicament and, you'll have more answers to how the season will be constructed then. Well, you know what else I like that of this 60 game season is the amount of rookie debuts. And specifically there were three debuts in the playoffs, which is almost unheard of. Uh, no, actually there were, I, I lied. There was about four or five, but I'm just going to highlight three. Alex Kirlikoff, an outfielder for the Minnesota twins, he made his major league debut in the playoffs against the Houston Astros because I believe it was Brian Buxton was injured. Can you imagine being a 20-year-old kid? You're still a kid. You can't even grow a beard yet. You, you can't even probably go buy a drink at a bar. You can't, you can't drink whiskey in honor of Sean Connery unless you do it at home. Uh, and your debut, something you've been dreaming about since you were five years old to play in the Major League Baseball, is in the playoffs. It's insane. And then you also have uh, Shane McClanahan, who was a, a relief pitcher for the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, Ryan Weather, also a pitcher for the San Diego Padres. A, a lot of times, like I had said with uh, Kirlikoff, a lot of these debuts were because of just simple injury. Uh, and they, and congratulations to them. And I, I love seeing the new kids because I think two years ago, Major League Baseball came out with that slogan of let the kids play. And to try to tamper down that nonsense of, oh, you have to act like you were, you've been there before and you shouldn't have fun and you shouldn't smile as you round the bases if you hit a home run. It's all that nonsense from like the 19th century, like enough with that garbage. And now you have also this huge influx of Latin players. And I highly suggest that you watch some of the winter leagues that are coming up. The Venezuelan League is going to start soon. The Dominican League, I believe, starts has already started. Um, uh, the Nicaraguan League, is they're already in the sixth round, uh, excuse me, the sixth week of their baseball games. All these, all these winter leagues in Latin America, they sign a lot of Major League Baseball players to go down there and play for them for uh, 40, 50 games, and they love it. One guy that comes to mind is – Years ago, a, a catcher for the Atlanta Braves called uh, Evan Gaddis, and he when this he had an incredible story. He was actually a janitor in Texas, and then he got got signed, and he got sent down to Venezuela for the winter league to become better. And down there, they gave him the nickname El Oso Blanco, which means the white bear, because he was this big, burly, bearded dude, and he went up without batting gloves, and he was just mashed down there. And he ended up gaining a spot with the Atlanta Braves. The Braves eventually traded him to the Houston Astros where he won a tainted World Series championship ring, but he wasn't really part of that because, you know, he was just a barely average player. Back to the letting kids have fun. Watch, guys, you have to watch at least one game a week of these winter leagues from Venezuela, from Dominican Republic, maybe from Nicaragua. The passion of those fans and the way they play is a celebration of competition. It is 
radically different than the way Major League Baseball is played. The only way I can I can let you know how that is is if you watch the uh, World Baseball Classic that unfortunately was canceled. I, I can go on and on about that. I love seeing the Dominicans, the Venezuelans, uh, all, all the all the all the teams from Latin America. The way they play is just something that would blow your mind. But uh, I'm I'm going off on all this. One thing I do want to add, speaking of a Latin American player, well, he's not really, he's actually Canadian, Canadian. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who we've talked about here, I believe it was in episode one or two, he's a designated hitter for the Tampa Bay Blue Jays. He was the number one prospect two years ago. He came up, he's hit well, he's the son of a Hall of Famer, Vladdy Guerrero. He was, he's speaking of big boys, Burley. He showed up to summer camp because of the COVID-19 season. I believe it was like at 260 or 260 pounds. He has already lost 30 pounds since the end of the season when the, when the Blue Jays got knocked out of the playoffs by the Tampa Bay Rays. He looks good. He, he doesn't look swell, svelte, but he looks good. And so people are like, wow, here we go. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what he has We'll see if he keeps the weight off. <laughs> wonder that. Wonder what regimen he used to drop that much pounds, and hopefully it was in a healthy way because that is uh, quite a dramatic drop within a short period of time. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'll uh, I'll ask him next time I see him. I'm joking. Yeah. But <laughs> um, another thing, one thing I do want to ask DiCarlo is predictions because next week Major League Baseball hands out all the regular season awards. MVPs for both league, Cy Young's best pitcher for both league, manager of the year, rookie of the year, all everything. But what everyone really wants to know is the most prestigious HBP regular seasons. Tell me about a, a, the, your, your MVP, your Cy Young. Who stood out for you in this COVID-19 60-game season? Um, so I'll kind of do a mishmash because I'll do it from NL and AL. So for... The NL, I'd have to say Freddie Freeman. He really came out swinging hard, batted for average, batted for power, RBIs, really did season, helped bring the Rays to the NLCS. Unfortunately, they did, they did lose, um, but he had, a, he had a solid season for an abbreviated season. Uh, for the NL, got to give the Cy Young, Trevor Bauer. The guy was lights out. It's a shame the Reds didn't really progress even further, but – you know, he had really lightning stuff throughout the season and held he did his he did his own as much as he possibly could, um, and really did do a solid showing for them. And then for manager, I have to give it for Dave Roberts for the Dodgers. The Dodgers broke that 32 year streak. He had a solid team. He knew how to manage them. He got them over the hump, even during the playoffs when they had those little hiccup moments where you thought that like, maybe the Dodgers are not going to be able to progress. And then they kicked it in the gear and did what they needed to do. So that's all of my awards for, for NL in terms of that. For the AL, um, Jose Abreu for the White Sox, the guy was complete. I mean, I, I, you can only imagine what he possibly would have did with 162 games. And, you know, hopefully, you know, next season, he'll have that opportunity to really just show force. AL, Shane Bieber, he led – the league in practically every resounding pitching stat. It's a shame that he played for a team that didn't really have solid offense to make them progress in. And his really only showing in the playoffs wasn't really good, but of course these are regular season awards, not playoff awards. So can't really get him too much on that. And then AL manager will have to be for Kevin Cash. Um, 
a shame that, you know, he's going to be judged a lot on pulling Blake Schnell in game six of the World Series. But, of course, sometimes you make bad decisions, even the best of us. So, but that doesn't just, that doesn't take away from all of the good decisions that he's made as a manager for the Tampa Bay Rays. And we'll continue to do so as the manager for next season for them. What about you, Dorian? What are your thoughts? I'm going to keep it short and simple. I, I completely agree with you, Freddie Freeman. We said this in episode five, Freddie Freeman con- contracted COVID-19 and he was in, he was bedridden, I believe for a week or two. I think he actually went to the hospital. He, he had a temperature of 104.5. At that point, once the brain is, once the brain, once you have a fever of, a, of over 103, your brain is literally on acid. Again, this is a science podcast masquerading as a baseball podcast. Once you get to 104, the brain is melting and you start hallucinating. I can't imagine this man going through this for hours at a time, days at a time. And he, he had said he was very open about it. He was scared to death. He thought he was going to die. He was prayed every day. Uh, he had, he, I think earlier this year, at the end of last year, he has a newborn son. I mean, his, he has a young family, and obviously they are they are, they're never going to worry about money. But the fact is, to have a to have a, a baby boy never even know his father. All the I can't imagine what was going through his mind, and for him to come back from COVID nineteen that hit him that hard, and to play the way he did and lead the Atlanta Braves to their third consecutive division title all the way to game seven, one game away, you could even say a few runs away from playing in the World Series is, is phenomenal, whether it's a 60, 60 regular season game or a full 162 regular season game. And he will deservedly win my HBP MVP. For manager, again, to Carlo, I'm not moving in. I'm, I'm right in your lane. Kevin Cash. The Tampa Bay Rays have... The Tampa Bay Rays have arguably the most advanced risk. They look for risk, not that they're, to, they're, not, they're not dumb, but they're willing to take chances on, on strategies and players that a lot of franchise aren't. And he absolutely squeezes the best out of every situation, out of every player. And it's just a shame that the Tampa Bay Ray owner does not put money into that team. I can't imagine what Kevin Cash could do if he utilized his talent and his payroll was maybe doubled. Because I think right now the Tampa Bay Rays payroll is, I think, is 28th in a league full of 30 teams. They're basically not paying. They're, they're not paying anything. Uh, it, it, it's, an, uh, it's amazing what Kevin Cash does. So my last award is going to be team of the year. I was going to go with any of the young teams that, that, that I've loved watching this past season, the t- Toronto Blue Jays, San Diego Padres, Chicago White Sox. San Diego Padres is my team of the year. I love their mix of Manny Machado, of Tatis uh, Jr., their shortstop. They're, I can't imagine what the San Diego Padres are going to do against the Los Angeles Archers over the next year or two. It's going to be amazing to see them dominate the National League West. But those are my awards. I didn't really give out any American League awards because these are my awards. I can give it to whoever I want. <laughs> and I agree and, the Padres are going to be a, their squad in the making. Seriously, they're going to be 
clog. They're going to be competing with the Dodgers for years to come, for seasons to come. Seriously, we were talking about we were talking about Kevin Cash and how he's able to squeeze the most out of his pennies. So, what are you listening are going to do with those aforementioned pennies? We all want the American dream. We want our own plot of land. We want our own home. We want a white picket fence. Some of us are renters, especially now during COVID-19, we're looking to buy. What Wachovia Bank can offer you is a subprime loan. Perfect for these times with low income, low credit to help you on the path to to home ownership. Wachovia Bank, we're absolutely obsessed with satisfying our customers. DeCarlo, you know what else I'm obsessed about? What is that? The absolutely atrocious championship gear that is designed and sent out every single year by Major League Baseball. It's, 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 it, I'm speechless. I see that. <laughs> if you guys haven't had a chance, go on to the website MLB shop and Go to Los Angeles Dodgers, who won the World Series, and look for their championship gear. Or even go over to the Tampa Bay Rays site at MLBshop.com and look at their American League championship gear. It's so ugly. I, I don't understand why Major League Baseball doesn't realize that this is a marketing and sales opportunity. Fans are – the word fan is short for fanatic. If you're willing to buy a hat and go to the ballpark in your favorite player's jersey, that – that is free advertisement. To Carlo, people are paying to advertise for your company. That, the, that just blows my mind. When you're watching television and a commercial comes on, that company paid that channel to advertise to get your eyeballs on that. In sports, it's the other way around. You pay and say, hey, Atlanta Braves, I want to pay you $39 for your latest cool hat, and I'm going to wear it around when I go to work, when I'm out at my new American dream home mowing the lawn, if I'm going to the ballpark. That's in, that, is, that, is, that is an insane system. But Major League Baseball does not care if it's ugly or not because they still sell. But they would sell even more if they made those really nice. I find they're pretty plain. It's nothing really spectacular. And it's the usual, you put the insignia on the side of the hat. You know, they should probably have a decent designer uh, come in and do uh, a drop with them, you know, like. Someone this is like why H&M. we do this podcast yeah. together. To, this is why we do this podcast together, to Garland, because we think alike. And you're absolutely right. They should have a designer. I'm going to go one step further. I'm going to tell everybody a little story because this is a history podcast. Masquerading as a science podcast. Masquerading as a baseball podcast. I went to a beautiful town called Columbus, Indiana, and. It's about, I think, like two hours south of Indianapolis, the capital of the great state of Indiana, Hoosier, the Hoosier state. Anyways, there's a story of a man named Joseph Irwin Miller. He was the president of the, uh, the Cummings Engine Company. And the Cummings was actually based out of Columbus. He had a problem. How do I get workers to come to Cummings? Because it, it was a small town now. It was a small town then. And he realized... I need to make this place, I need to make this town a place where people want to live, not just come for a job, but actually settle down. And so what he did is he went to the city, to the city officials in 1957 and made an offer to them and said, 
I will pay all architecture fees of any public building that you guys are, are looking to build here in Columbus because you wanted to make it beautiful. And he said, I only will, we will, you will, you can only pick from this list of, I think if it was six or eight lists. And these were at the time in, in the fifties and sixties, world-class architects, architects, architects like Eero Serenin, Eliel Serenin, I.M. Pei, Kevin Roche, Richard Mayer, Harry Weiss, Cesar Pelli, Skidmore Owings and Merrill. I mean, it goes, the list is, goes on and on for those of you who have any interest in beautiful buildings. Because of him, this small town in Indiana has churches, fire stations, libraries, public school buildings that were designed by these 20th, 20th century architectural giants. The entire town is basically a monument to this idea of J. Irwin Miller, who said, we need beauty. He, he completely understood the, the, the impact of, of living and growing up around beautiful surroundings. And it, do, it doesn't mean that everyone's going to have a 10-room home with on, on 5,000 square feet. It's where you grow up, where you live. You learn to appreciate that. People want to live in nice places. Whether, and people want to go to school in nice places. People want to go to work where it's nice. This, man's, this man, he's one of the great underrated people of the 20th century. And I want to give you one of his quotes is, quote, the most important service to others is to service those who are not like you, end quote. J. Erwin Miller. What I'm proposing, and I think DeCarlo's with me on this, why not have every single playoff team every year before the playoffs start identify local artists? So if you're the Chicago Clubs, Chicago White Sox, you identify local Chicago artists. If you're the Miami Marlins, you identify local Miami. You're following me here. Have those designs and commission them, just like in the time of Leonardo da Vinci and, and all those other great artists. Not, that, not to say that Leonardo da Vinci, we have a million Leonardo da Vinci's in America, but it's that idea. Get local buy-in. Hey, artist, I want you to design championship gear for this team if we go all the way. You're going to get paid anyways, but it, your name, will, you, it'll be even enha enhanced even further. Have those designs submitted to the Major League Baseball office before the league championship series. Make a quick executive decision saying, boom, we approve these designs for these teams. The end result would be championship gear with a local flavor and i think it would be an absolute boom for for that because it would be it would be art it would be fashion it would be something you want to be seen in not just silly ugly blocks of letters yeah i mean that could also be done just throughout the, the season too i think it would be a nice initiative and, and create more local buy-in for the teams because you'll have a lot of teams who lose support over time and you know, one of the biggest things I know that baseball is the challenges of baseball is trying to reach a broader swath of communities in a, in a lot of cities in the United States because you got other sports that are capturing their imagination and they have to compete. And I think finding, you know, making inroads with local artists or designers will provide that because people always do like local. You know, we always do like our local restaurants, our local merchants, our local, local farm market, local farm everything. Market, everything. It, Small it, it business day so, in, in November, all yeah, that stuff. It will add so much authenticity and it would really, really provide a lot more motivation. And, and it really will show, and it's, it, it, 
it, it will go beyond just the usually the usual community outreach that many teams would do say like you know having a, a turkey drive during thanksgiving or christmas or like thanksgiving or a tour drive during christmas because they always do that usual stuff but spice it up a little bit and you know especially now you know post you know during and post pandemic you're gonna have a lot of artists out there and a lot of people who are gonna have creative sparks because of this time and who are also gonna need a little bit of infusion of, of some capital and that would be a great way to actually do that. I think that that is a really, really sound idea, man. Like, I'm going to add something else to that. What are, some of our listeners get this podcast into the ear of Commissioner Rob Manford, please. DeCarlo, I'm going to keep going off of what you're saying. And we can go back to the 90s, West Coast, hip hop, the rise of hip hip hop, late, no, late 80s, early 90s. You have people like Dr. Dre, NWA, Snoop Dogg. And what, what were they wearing in those videos to Carlo? What were uh, they wearing? They were wearing baseball caps. They were, they were wearing, wearing Dodger hats. Uh, the Raiders from the, from Raiders, the NFL. Yep. They were wearing Chicago White Sox because of the Chicago White Sox colors are black and white. Everyone loves when, wearing black uniforms. And that enhanced it. So you're a young kid and you're like, wow, my favorite hip hop artist, my favorite whatever is wearing this. I want that. Hey, are you actually, you follow the Raiders? No, but Snoop Dogg is wearing it. So I'm, so it's cool. It's cool. I'm going to be cool. Just like Snoop Dogg. Okay. I can't imagine some young kid in Philadelphia wearing an amazing, and Philadelphia is an amazing artistic city wearing a local Philly artist hat, sunglasses. I don't know with the Philadelphia Phillies thing that because they commissioned that local young artist that, that that's a perfect match of major league baseball digging into its community because it's so important because major league baseball is not the most popular game and i think having going back seven inning double headers will help speed things up and it would be fantastic but we can we we, we would have to channel the ghost of johnny versace but we're not going to do that right now the great slain Italian designer from uh, the early, from the 80s up, up until the mid-90s before he was killed, unfortunately. But, DiCarlo, someone isn't going to have to worry about designing any championship gear anytime soon. And that someone is the owner of the Chicago Bulls from the NBA and Major League Baseball's own Chicago White Sox. So, Jerry Reinsdorf will lead off our Grow a Beard and Go into Hiding, a.k.a. the Federal Witness Protection Program. What do you want? What do you want to say about Jerry? Because I have my thoughts about Mr. Reinsdorf. Uh, so, Mr. Reinsdorf, interesting individual. Um, for those who probably watched the Last Dance uh, docu documentary series that was on ESPN, documenting the Chicago Bulls, you you saw him, uh, you know, interviewed. He seemed like he was very much, uh, you know, a pretty good guy, decent guy. Spoke from the heart about his relationship with Michael Jordan and such. But when you look at some of the moves that uh, he did, especially in the front office with uh, not signing Phil Jackson, re-signing him in Michael Jordan's final season, which, you know, pretty much motivated, that pushed Michael Jordan to retire a second time around, which he did for quite a while until he was a part owner of the Washington Wizards and came back for a bit. 
No, um, Michael Jordan, when he didn't get resigned, he said, you know what, Jerry, in 25 years, I'm going to make a Netflix documentary for, about this season. Wait, let me interject here because we're just talking about Jerry Reinsdorf just went off. But the reason Jerry Reinsdorf, Jerry Reinsdorf is, the, is this week's grow beard to go into ID individual is because he hired Hall of Fame manager, 75-year-old Tony LaRussa. We and spoke about Mr. LaRussa in episode three or four, I believe. But when we were adamantly against him, being the manager of the Chicago White Sox, and now he's the, he's the only, he's the manager of the Chicago White Sox. So that's why we're doing Ryan's work. Yes, because unfortunately Tony La Russa, um, Snowflake, the enabler, um, who is now finding himself has been out of the league, hasn't managed for over nine years, and is now coming, going to be at the helm of a young squad, which is starting to grow. Insanely talented. Yes, insanely talented. And it is, you know, of course, the jury's out. We don't know what will essentially happen. But at the same time, going off of where the game is now compared to where it was when Barusa was managing and his his demeanor, his, his tactics, um, just being out of the game for nine years, it's like, of all people, you decide to go with somebody who's not been in the game for a long time. His track record, yes, he has a winning record when he's when he was managing, and he was successful. But there was also a lot of you know black marks. You know, he, he didn't really you know remember 1998. He kind of kept quiet about um, McGuire using Andrew again. And I have kept quiet. He got he, mad at the reporter yeah. who actually outed Mark McGuire for using steroids. Yes, exactly. And then also back in the 80s when you had Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire using anabolic steroids. The Bash Brothers, that was a great poster that they had. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> he, you know, he enabled that too. So it's interesting to see. Drinking How, and driving. Yes, drinking and driving, getting mad at people for on you know, Twitter, on suing Twitter. Twitter. Yes. <laughs> you know, so hopefully, you know. And he he has no the idea. Here. <laughs> he, he, he the, the reality is that Tony the Russo's eye, it's it's not the fact it's not his age, it's his way of looking at the game. My team, the Atlanta Braves, we have Brian Snicker. Brian Snicker is, I think, 69 years old. And he's not that far behind Tony LaRusso, but he he looked at his team. He looked at uh, Dansby Swanson, Ronald Acuna Jr., uh, Ozzy Albies, all these guys. And it's like, you know what? I'm going to tap into that energy. I'm going to let them play. the. I'm going to make them play the right way, but I'm going to let them have fun. These 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 players are basically my grandchildren's age. And so, but he's still able to, he's still able to relate to them. Brian, Brian Snicker is versus Tony La Russa, He, his mindset is stuck like in the 1960s or the 1970s where you don't smile. You don't clap your hands when you're going around the bases. You it's, you're like an auto Autobot. Some defenders of Tony La Russa will say, well, wait a minute. You know who he used to manage? Ricky Henderson, one of the arguably, in my opinion, the greatest leadoff man in history with the Oakland Athletics. And that's true. And Ricky is a very <laughs> peculiar, special character. And there is actually a 
30 for 30 documentary from ESPN on Ricky Henderson. If you haven't watched it, I highly recommend that you watch the 30 for 30 documentary on Ricky Henderson. Even if you don't, even if you're not a big baseball fan, he's amazing. So again, Jerry Reinsdorf, we are not happy with you putting this man in as the captain of the ship of the SS Chicago White Sox. But we don't have your money, so we can't tell you what to do. <laughs> but nope. we can tell you what happened. I said, nope, we can't tell yeah. you what to do. But we can tell you is that you should grow a beard and move to Antarctica for this winter because we are very unhappy what, you, what you're potentially doing to that Chicago White Sox. But what we are happy is we want to give a shout out, not to someone in Antarctica, to one of our listeners, loyal listeners in Brussels, Belgium, who has listened to every single episode, DiCarlo, of HBP. So if you're a male, a female, a non-binary, gender-fluid person, I don't care. Thank you, Miss, Mrs. Person from Brussels, Belgium, for listening to every single episode. We want to keep you laughing, and we want to keep you informed on all the people that we've been sending to an, art- an article over the past six episodes. Yes, and thank you. We appreciate it. So, and in Antarctica, there's also penguins, bears, salmon, seals. Seals. I don't think mosquitoes live down there. I could be wrong. Yeah, it's too cold. And none of them would be appropriate pets. I, even though I think it'd be pretty cool to have a penguin because they're yeah, kind of cute looking, but I don't know. But nevertheless, we want you, listener, to tweet us a picture of your pet listening to the HBP podcast or doing what they do best. Pets love to sleep. We will retweet the best pet pictures. Our t- Twitter handle is at HBP4040. And remember to use the hashtag HBPets. That's H-B-P-E-T-S. So I'm a, I actually, to Carlo, I, I poured myself another heavy pour from the, the whiskey in honor of Sir Sean Connery, who what was what was one of your favorite movies that he that he played in? He had a lot of really good ones. I mean, most people always think of him for his you know iconic role as 007 James Bond. But I actually really really enjoyed him in the movie Finding Forrester. So if anybody hasn't seen that movie, never heard of it. Of, I haven't. I'm raising my hand. I have no. I've never heard of that movie. It, it's uh, it's just to give you a quick synopsis. It's uh. It centers around a young uh, African-American man in the Bronx who is very intelligent. He um, trying to find his way, growing up with a single mother, older brother, and he chance meeting because there's this recluse white guy who in his neighborhood in the Bronx who nobody really knows living in this apartment. And, you know, the, the, the man is Sean, he's played by Sean Connery, but he happens to be a world-renowned author who wrote the, you know, novel of a lifetime. You know, it's one greatest novel, never to have written another one. Nobody knew where he went afterwards. You know, people thought he was dead, but all the while he was living in an apartment in the Bronx. And he befriends him. And this young man is a really talented writer, really well-read. starts going to a private school in Upper East Side in New York, or Upper West Side, one of, the, one of these board, like really private schools. And through that, he's dealing with trials and tribulations of being an inner city kid, 
going into an environment that he truly doesn't know. And they help each other grow through this because not only does um, Sean Connery help him, his character help him with his writing, he helps uh, Sean Connery's character begin to trust and really value what it means to be a friend and to get out of his apartment eventually. You know, one of the big iconic scenes is him standing on the field of Yankee Stadium because that was something him and his brother did in the movie were go to the games back in the 50s and the 60s. And so it's fitting that it does also have a baseball thing to like theme in it as well. But I thought that it was a really, really, really good movie. So for, you know, check, see if it's, I don't know if it's on any streaming sites, but if you, you know, have a moment, you want to rent a, a movie on YouTube or if it is on a streaming site, check it out. Finding Force, a really, really good movie. I'll have to, I'll have to check it out. So we want to thank everyone for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. And give us a review. Follow us on Twitter. Again, our handle is at HBP4040. Our drinks will be in the show notes. And join us next time with a brand new episode of Hipster Baseball Podcast. Take care, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Bye.